0: What's for breakfast? Hello and welcome to the What's for Breakfast podcast. Glad that you are with us. Today I am incredibly excited to bring to this audience one of my uh, great friends and a, a mentor in my life. And that individual is Scott Gaskill. I met Scott several years ago and since then I have grown to have a uh, appreciation for him as an incredible leader probably the most authentic person that I have in my life. And so I'm just incredibly grateful that we can share some of his thoughts, knowledge, and wisdom with our audience today. So Scott and his wife Emily are the founders of Harvest City Church in Iowa City. They reside there with their three children, Maddie, Kate, and Jacoby. And uh, Scott and Emily both have been just incredibly important in mine and my wife's uh, walk over the last several years. And so I thought Scott would be the perfect guest to bring to you today. So I hope you enjoy this episode of What's for Breakfast. Well, welcome to episode number seven of the What's for Breakfast series. I'm sitting here with my A good friend and a guy that I consider a mentor, uh, Scott Gaskill. So I already played the intro for you. You know the context of our story and our relationship, so I won't dive uh, into that any further. But I did want to just say to Scott while we're here, thank you for being on, man. It's an honor to have you. You've listened before, so you know what the first question is. We're going to start off here. What's for breakfast?
1: Man, I got this uh, Hawkeye Hog Omelette and some hash browns and some toast, man. I love me some Hamburg In I uh, kind of wish we were here for a different meal so I could get a pie shake, but uh, this omelet will have to do. No doubt. Yeah, I was, uh, I was excited when you picked Hamburg. It's
0: been, I think, since my college days. I mentioned uh, that to you when we were offline that I had been here. So good to be back in this Iowa City famous spot. So uh, going to hit with some harder questions now. One of the areas that... You have a great amount of focus is around self-awareness and particularly you talk about this tool the Enneagram uh, that we were discussing before we jumped uh, on here so I just want to know a little bit about why you view self-awareness as such a hot topic and one thing that you uh, preach on quite a bit and then how you use that tool specifically to aid others in that Yeah,
1: uh, I think the easiest way yeah. to jump into that one is by way of a story so uh, Part of uh, the Gaskill story is that uh, we just planted Harvest City uh, a little over a year ago. church in Iowa City. Uh, um, and uh, as we approach that, there's a process you have to go through. One of the things you have to go through is an assessment with our church planning network called Acts 29. So Emily and I roll into this uh, church planning assessment. You have to do uh, hours and hours of uh, like preparation for this assessment. They have to learn a lot about you, about your past, all these things. And uh, anyway, we roll into this assessment, and it's like everybody on our assessment team sees and knows Emily better than we know ourselves, not just because of the homework that they did ahead of time, but this team was a lot more self-aware than we were, and so they started asking us this uh, stream of questions that all seems to revolve around intensity, how intense I am, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just like, yeah, sure, sure, you know, whatever, I'm I'm a little bit of an intense dude, but like... Um, they could tell, you could tell they could see something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that kind of, uh, left me with a pretty big impression, uh, in the way that they received me that weekend. And then, uh, it was just a week later, I started this church planning residency called Fellowship Associates. It's been huge in my life, and the focus of that was self-awareness, and over the next seven to nine months, like, I really got to know myself in a way that I hadn't known myself for the first 35 years of my life. And uh, it was because they kept pushing into uh, self-awareness and recognizing not only who I am and my personality, not just personality tools, but who I am uh, in relation to others, who I am in relation to my culture, who I am in relation to um, uh, just the grand scheme of things in the world. And so, um, yeah, so the other piece, that I think comes with uh fellowship associates and my journey of self-awareness is this idea of emotional agility or your EQ and so as you get to know yourself in relation to others and and how you're wired and how God has specifically made you uh also I needed to really understand a lot of what the hell was going on with my emotions you know Mm -hmm. and uh and if, actually, the more I under, uncovered in terms of self-awareness, the more I understood about my emotions, they kind of go hand in hand. And so for me, um, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, uh, a lot of different words to describe that. One of them is protector, that's probably the one that best hits me, challenger maybe. And uh, so I'm a dude that can drive hard forward, and the image that's used to describe an eight that's pretty spot on for me is an eight's like a snowplow. Uh, It's really great when you get behind it. An eight can clear some path for you. It can uh, make a space where you couldn't have traveled before uh, because I cleared some uh, path for you, but uh, an eight's really not great when the snowplow is coming at you because if that snowplow is coming your way, uh, he's gonna run over you and uh, leave you in the wake. And so um, uh, the the emotion connected to an eight most strongly in the Enneagram is actually anger and uh, that's been true for me all the course of my life. I've, I've struggled a lot with anger problems, never really understood the value and the, and the, the positivity that can come from that and how God's made me. Uh, and so, actually, the farther that I've gotten into this journey of self-awareness, the more I've understood... Um, Anger in and of itself actually is a gift from God. Uh, The reason we feel anger is because uh, there's a voice that's not being heard, right? So it's like you get angry in a situation. A lot of times for me, that's because either my voice isn't being heard or somebody else isn't being heard. And so as a protector, if I see somebody else being steamrolled and I see somebody else and they're not being treated rightly and their voice isn't being heard, man, I'm going to get angry about it and I want to make sure that that person's heard and that person's valued and that person's cared for. And uh, and that's all good, actually, right? Uh, when it's not protecting myself, when it's protecting someone else, that's a good thing in the way that God's hardwired me. Uh, however, a lot of times uh, that anger would go so far as to, I would just steamroll people, you know, in order to try and get that voice heard. But that's not necessarily—it's it's what we do with those emotions, right? In a lot of ways, it's the negative. It's not the it's not the emotion itself. So. Yeah, self-awareness has been a huge journey. I'm, I'm maybe just a few steps down the road, honestly, uh, but um, it's really changed the way that I understand myself and I think the way that I interact with other people. Yeah,
0: and this tool that you mentioned, this is something that you can go out and find online, take the test yourself. I've done it personally, so I'm a three- wing two i'm still trying to fully understand what that means but uh you essentially go out it took me about 15 minutes to go through the quiz gave me a breakdown of what that meant and really it hit home for me just uh it kind of confirmed some things that i always thought in the back of my mind about myself but um for me it's gonna help i hope equip me to use some of the tools in the way that i'm wired to positively impact myself and others as opposed to just letting that uh, play an active role in my life without me fully realizing what those wirings are and so yeah, um, for sure something that I, I feel uh, thankful that you've exposed me right. to personally so yeah uh, during that time you mentioned Harvest City Church so yeah. um, I mentioned this in the intro but that's the church that Aaron and I attend. we just celebrated one year a few weeks back really yeah. exciting times there Uh, and you lead that organization uh, as the founder lead pastor and so not necessarily from a church standpoint but just for anybody who's looking at uh, either considering or they're taking the first steps to start a new organization or run forward with a new idea what would be your feedback to that individual good or bad on some of the things that you've learned over the last year launching launching this organization and, and bringing it to fruition
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, the thing that's going to matter the most, as far as uh, that's going to change your your level of enjoyment in life as you're starting a new thing, is going to be the people that you get to do it with, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that like that's not like awesome, amazing news, right? That's nothing out of this world because uh, for 10 years. Uh, Before that, as uh, um, working in college ministry, the thing that changed my level of enjoyment in my work Mm -hmm. was the people that I got to do it with. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though vocationally now, um, I actually, (laughs) for the first year basically had zero co-workers, right now we got a part-time worship guy, which is great to have somebody that's actually kind of a co-worker, but everybody else working with the church was a volunteer in that season. those volunteers, the pe- not just volunteers, but my friends, you know, the people leading uh, different aspects of our church are the people, they're the number one reason that, like, that season was enjoyable and it was fun. So, um, not to mention they're also the, pe- the people that made the organization rise and fall, right? Like, in churches, it's a people organization. Like, it's a social organization. It's, sure, yes, we have a, there's a Um, a relationship with Jesus and the way that we worship Him is the number one thing over and above all the church. But uh, at the end of the day, it's also a social organization. It's where people interact with one another. It's where people enjoy time together. And uh, so, um, yeah, some of our friends, our mutual friends and different people in the church, uh, man, they're really the ones that make it happen. So that's one of the things that I think of in starting an organization is it really matters who you get to do it with. And I get to do this with some of my best friends and, that's been a big part of the ride that I've enjoyed and loved uh the other thing I would say and this is a um this is this is pretty normal too this is nothing uh, incredibly wise about this but it's count the cost before you step into a big time entrepreneurial season right because um I have not been the only one that's paid the cost of this, right? There's a high level of ownership in our church right now, and you mm-hmm. could you could speak to that in that uh, what like once a month, like you're on stage doing announcements. So another time a month, like you're downstairs uh, leading elementary school class with these hoodlums that we have downstairs. Uh, another week of the month, uh, your wife is downstairs running basically the whole kids' men, right? Like, right. Um, for the bends, like that's a lot of <laughs> o- level of ownership, right? The average person in the church uh, comes in on a Sunday morning, stands up, sit down, fight, 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 and they're out of there, right? Right, like right. it's that's it. You just you're you're a, a participant in a Sunday morning service, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, at Harvest City, the average person uh, that's been involved through this season has had to. Yeah had a higher level of ownership and so uh, there's a higher cost not just for me but for the people around me my wife my kids have had a huge uh, level of ownership in our church Uh, and it's cost us something as a family you know it affects how we do family holidays we were just talking about that I won't get into the deets of that but um, before this uh, it affects um, you know like our family vacation because at this point like got being gone for two weeks from this young of a church in a row uh, if we were to go on a vacation and miss both weekends I think we're going to try and do that for the first time this summer but that's mm-hmm. a lot to ask of a young church so um, yeah there's a high level of ownership so I just encourage people to count the cost uh, as you in, in you know step into any kind of entrepreneurial endeavor uh, you just really got to understand uh, the cost it sets going to have not just on you but on the people around you as well but, but you've done a good job
0: of making that foundational to the core values that we talk about week in and week out. One of those is team. And so that was identified very early. If this is a, a group that you want to step into and one that you want to worship with, something that Harvest City specifically values is that aspect of team. And so I think the awareness to that, something that uh, you recognize, you thrive off of, it's good to communicate that message. And um, that's certainly been done at Harvest City. So... Um, speaking of church, but more specifically to faith, you're one of the guys, and I mentioned this early on um, in the intro, you're one of the guys that uh, was a huge um, person in my life that really brought me back and reconnected me to my own faith. And so what would you say to the individual or group or somebody who's out there that um, they've never had much exposure into personal faith or they're looking for something greater and haven't quite found it yet. What would be your words of encouragement or kind of guidance that you would give that person, which I'm sure you do on a fairly regular basis?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the first per- first thing that I would acknowledge to that person is uh, that they need to be aware uh, that they're probably not. The problem isn't exposure, right? Like, we live in post-Christian America. And so... Truth be told, everybody that grew up in America has been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like uh, Christianity is not new to people. And, uh, I mean, it is for people to transfer in from different cultures at times, but if you grew up here, uh, you've been exposed to it. Whether you've been in a church on a Sunday morning or not, you've probably been exposed to it. And so, uh, this is a self-awareness piece, right? Like If we understand that, that we grew up in this culture, and that Christianity by and large is the prevalent like religion and religious movement in our culture. then I think we can be honest about, okay, now what cards am I holding, right? Like, because probably uh, if that's not a stream that you're running in now, you've had an experience and it probably wasn't super positive. Uh, And so the average person that I meet in Iowa City, I'd say that is even more volatile in Iowa City than it is in other places, right? Uh, But in our city, the average person that's not a person of faith uh, has baggage uh, that comes from uh, an experience that they had, uh, maybe maybe even an experience that they didn't have personally, but was through someone else. Something that happened in the church, right? You think even thinking about culturally all the stuff that like uh, this priest did this or this pastor did this or you know like this church uh, finagled money in this way Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. all the negative press that can come about like uh i mean i'm not saying that those things didn't happen Mm -hmm. right like actually i'll own those things i'll be the first to own those things like Christians actually are some of uh, people want to say they're some of the best people in the world but I would be on the other end of that spectrum I'd say actually I think Christians are more aware of our faults uh, than anybody or should be more aware of our faults than, than anybody in the world because actually we're a grace-based organization we all recognize our deep need for the grace of God and so that should bring about a higher level of self-awareness in that like we are some of the most broken people uh, that the world has Uh, we're not the best moral performers we're actually ones that have failed and have recognized that failure and that's what points us toward our need for grace and so um in general, a group of people that aren't, like, super moral and understand their failure probably have screwed up on a regular basis, right? And and it doesn't matter if you pile them all together, right? Like, people say that, like, um, like you know, uh, Christians, and some sense, some people can say this, and I say this is true sometimes, are, are like... Uh, or like manure like if you um, spread them out it can be a really great thing right mm-hmm. like that helps the fields uh, um, but if you pile them up it really stinks mm-hmm. you know and so um, I think that's the problem a lot of times is we get piled up on our mess and so then um, without help without um, self-awareness without um, you know actively understanding the grace of God at work in our lives um, there's a lot of dumb things that happen from the church and so man just want to own that I uh, know that that's true. It's probably happened. We've already, not probably, I know we've already hurt some people at uh, Harvest City. Uh, not intentionally, by any means, but like because of our brokenness, because of our sin, we've probably stepped on people's toes and done some of those things. And so, man, I would just say, hey, uh, would you forgive us for that? I hope I get opportunities to circle back and, and with those folks. But um, because that's true, then, if we live post- in a post-Christian society, and we live in a place where most people have these kind, this kind of baggage mm-hmm. um, not, I mean this isn't really like an awesome ask but it's like um, the ask that I usually enter in with people is hey would you just be real with us and help us like we won't want this to be a place where you can open that baggage mm-hmm where you can chop it up with us. Mm-hmm. And if you don't find this to be a community of people where there's authenticity, right? You taught, you mentioned our values. We, we value authenticity, team, gospel centrality, and diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't find... Uh, a group of people that there's somebody like you here that can help chop it up if you don't find this to be an authentic community if you don't find this to be a team that you want to play on you know if if you don't find the gospel of jesus christ to be one that is new news different than anything you've ever heard even though we are familiar with christianity a lot of times we're not familiar with the good news of god's grace pressed into us in the person of jesus christ and so uh i just ask people man I get this is hard. I get you're carrying baggage, but would you make uh, would you make this a place where you would just be authentic, be real, and let somebody chop it up with you? Yeah, no, I love that, and I would.
0: Uh, I'd highly encourage. You. I do this outside of the podcast, but for anybody who hasn't had the conversation with me yet, I, I find Harvest City to be uh, authentically different in uh, some ways that have just really spoken to. season of life that Aaron and I are in with our kids and uh, there's just an amazing community there. So uh, located just north of Brown Deer Golf Course in Coralville, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. is where you can get plugged in and connected and we'll circle back to that at the end too uh, when we ask Scott where we can find him. But one more question before we get to that, you serve in a leadership role to so many, I would say, and in a mentorship role. So even our dynamic A lot of times when we're speaking it's me bringing things to you and seeking counsel and I know that you're dynamic with a lot of people and I'd say most individuals who do things like listen to podcasts and try and grow themselves they probably serve in a very similar space where people are coming to them quite often yeah and so one of my questions to you is how are you intentional about uh, seeking mentorship yourself and making sure that you're personally growing as you're helping so many others do the same thing yeah
1: I mean, the gospel truth of of the matter is that my role is a lot of times just called a shepherd, right? A pastor is like a shepherd of the sheep. And, uh, but Jesus ultimately is called the good shepherd. And if I'm not first a sheep before I'm a shepherd, I will fail and I will fail miserably in my role as a shepherd. So, um... Yeah, I think I think that's true. What you do as a spouse is true in every level of leadership. And if we can't first be a follower, like, I don't know how you can expect us to be a leader, right? So there's got to be places where we go to follow. So first and foremost for me, that's in my relationship with God, right? And so uh, whether that's uh, being a man of the word and so like reading the Bible and trying to um, intake from that, uh, whether that's uh, being a man of prayer and just like... <laughs> So, some of the people that are asking me for, for wisdom and advice, like, aren't the easiest people to deal with in the world, right? And so, Probably me included. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe sometimes. Not yet. I haven't run into that yet. But, like, uh, so I gotta be dumping that stuff rather than bringing all of my response, right, to who they are, right? Recognizing I'm a broken person, too. I gotta be dumping all that stuff before the throne of grace and, like, pouring out my heart to God. Like, um, most people don't know God in that way, right? Mm-hmm. That He's one that, like, He's not just uh, like a pop machine that I ask Him for things when I pray. Hey, God, I want uh, a white picket fence and two and a half kids and this nice house, right? Like, Mm -hmm. no, actually, for me, God is an outlet for me to vent and dump all the cares and concerns in my life and other people's lives around me, right? Um, So I need that. Um, But, yeah, like... Man, like one of the identities that I wear and then I actually plan for week to week month to month is the identity of learner because a person of grace uh, by and large is a work in progress right uh, we have not arrived I have not arrived as a pastor nobody in Harvest City Church has arrived uh, God is uh, doing a transforming work in each one of us and so that brings about this mentality that we are all learners we're all works in progress and so uh, man, i got a book list, and I'm driving through that book list um, quicker in some seasons and than, than in others, right, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the workload, <clears throat> but I'm always working through that. Um, I've got, through Acts 29, I've got a coach um, who is uh, an Acts 29, was an Acts 29 church planner, planted a church seven years ago, planted their second church actually already, and so um, love learning from him, uh, and then Um, I mean I mentioned Fellowship Associates I could not toot their horn more than I probably do Uh, but that uh, that space, the residency was like the best season of my life for learning Uh, being around uh, it was a group of seven dudes in this residency my cohort that went through it Uh, uh, me and some of my best friends in the world now Uh, but me uh, uh, one other white guy from Missouri, a guy who's Uh, Part Mexican, um, part Caucasian, uh, from Rancho Cucamonga, California, and four black guys. One from Tennessee, uh, one from Florida, uh, one from uh, inner city Detroit, and another one who's playing in San Francisco. And a diversity of backgrounds there like i love having dudes coming from all sorts of weird backgrounds a guy that played in the nfl and a guy that uh used to be a thug in inner city detroit and a guy who's you know uh, a couple years behind me and planting in daytona beach florida like um i love having dudes like that that i can lean in with that i can ask questions of that are like peers but also have had different life experience uh, but also from Fellowship Associates, I got a Yoda, and everybody needs a, the Yoda, right? The guy that's the older guy that's been through it all, it seems like, and it's just all he's got for you is wisdom, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I got that too um, from Fellowship Associates uh, in the mentors that led the program, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that um, if you don't have that, you're missing out on something, um, And then I think I was in a season, uh, maybe like five, ten years ago, I was in a season where I felt like as long as I had one person speaking in my life, I was okay. Um, and I've recognized now, uh, the diversity necessary in that because of the number of crazy situations that are coming my way. Um, no one person has it all to help me, you know, like I need a diversity of voices in my life. And so, um that yeah I would say also the other person that I put uh in that line is this dude called Paul Tripp um I've, I've met him actually once in my life but uh he's my favorite author and uh um, I have Paul Tripp in my ear every day I read a devotional that he wrote I have, I have Paul Tripp in my ear probably most weeks because I'm reading books that he wrote uh, but he's the dude in my life that I think is most gospel centered and uh he directs me back towards that good news mm-hmm. uh, because good advice is, is helpful mm-hmm. at times, mm-hmm. uh, but good good news is like world changing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I hope people hear that and understand how
0: healthy of a complex that is. Scott's a guy that leads a church of a hundred plus members, has people in their home regularly on a weekly basis, is leading uh, individuals daily, weekly, monthly. But when asked about mentorship himself and how he's growing, you just rattled off, what, 12 individuals? Uh, Some of them you know, some of them peers, some of them older individuals that you need to seek out. Some of them, you know, an individual you met one time, but that speaks to you daily without that person even knowing it. And so I think that's incredibly healthy just to strike a balance there for the leaders listening. So uh, we are coming up to the end of our time. One of our final questions for... uh, all of our guesses in what way or how can those individuals find you because I know people are gonna listen to this and want more of it so how can people find get uh, Scott Gaskill here in the Iowa City community
1: uh, yeah so um, like Joe said earlier um, you know you can check in on a Sunday morning at Harvest City uh, if I'm honest uh, if you've not been if you're a person that's carrying some of that baggage that's probably not the best place to check in right mm-hmm. like um, i tell people this all the time sunday mornings isn't the easiest space to check in it's going to feel like a church because mm-hmm. we are a church right mm-hmm. and so uh but uh if you want to step into a relationship um yeah with 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 scott gaskell um we have a space so if, if that if i'd love that to be one-on-one i'd love to you know chop it up with people with um, I don't know if people normally share their contact info yeah here, email but, your um,
0: social medias whatever yeah. you're comfortable with. Uh, you
1: yeah do you just want to reach out to me on Instagram at, uh, uh, man I don't even know what it is scottgasco247 maybe mm-hmm. um, if if uh, or on facebook um, yeah you can find me there um, my email scott at harvest.city uh, you could dial up i'd love to catch a drink i'd love to catch coffee i'd love you know like love to smoke a cigar if that's a thing for you um, mm-hmm. just have some time to sit down and talk chop it up but uh, i would say the other space and this has been a really unique space to meet people and joe could speak to this is a space. Our, our dinner table is like an open space, uh, week in and week out. So, whether that's coming and having dinner with the Gaskill family, whether that's on Sunday nights specifically, and entering into our missional family—that's what we call our, our smaller families groups within Harvest City. Our missional families. Our missional family meets on Sunday nights at 5:30, and man, there's an incredible diversity of people that have come through our doors on Sunday nights uh, to do dinner with us and then open the Bible with us for a little bit but ultimately to get in these smaller groups called response groups where it ends up being three or four dudes sitting on, in, on the floor in my office a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, just chopping it up and uh, getting into the nitty gritty details of our lives and um, man my rhythm in that space isn't necessarily to only be a mentor that's a space where I dump a truck too and so if you want to vulnerably know me which is I think the only way to know people is through vulnerability right like I can only know you to the degree that you let me know you Um, that's a space where I am known right like I dump my truck on a regular basis people understand that I'm not this pastor that has all their stuff together I'm the dude that has plenty of baggage too Uh, and I open it up with guys on a regular basis in that space so I'd be willing to do that at, um, you know, at a bar, catch a drink. I'd be willing to do that in a coffee shop, but you can come do it at my home too.
0: Yeah, love that about you. All right, man. Thanks so much for being on. This is one of my favorite just in and out conversations to touch on you know some organizational ideas some just personal growth and then ultimately one of my favorite topics and we've discussed this on a regular basis is just faith and how you grow within that so Mm. thanks for being on this morning and sharing your story and some of your messaging Uh, look for scott on all the platforms that he just mentioned and we will see you on the next episode of what's for breakfast